welcome to the first episode of the Cold Camp Cast. I'm Mandy Fleming and I'm going to be your host on this podcast about real Appalachian people and their stories that celebrate the rich and diverse culture of the coal camps and surrounding communities of Appalachia. The coal camps of Appalachia were historically covered in a thick layer of coal dust. It got in the air from the mines that employed the majority of the population and settled over everything without discrimination. It didn't matter what you looked like, where you came from, how well off you were, or who you loved. Homemakers fought a constant battle to clean it away, just for it to settle back hours later. It covered the ground that had been planted, and crops rose up through it. It found its way inside the bodies of Appalachian people. In many ways, it created hardships that the mountain people fought to overcome. Generations have found ways to thrive despite the layers of coal dust that covered their world. On the Coal Camp cast, we're going to lift up the layer of coal dust and catch glimpses of the stories that define the region. Joining me on this episode are Hempfield residents Roy Tackett and Gwen Johnson. Roy is a local mountain musician and Gwen wears all kinds of hats around here. I got him to talk about some things going on in the community, so without further ado... podcast and tell real Appalachian stories and uh, guys help me out what 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 makes an Appalachian story what do you guys think well it has to be real has to be real it's got to be rooted right here you know in this part of the world I think a a lot of the the stories that will end up here and will have a lot of um, resilience in them and tenacity and not the stereotypical things that Hollywood and people like to depict of people from our area. We'll not use that H word because I'm not real fond of it sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, we are recording at the Hempel Community Center, which is also the home of the Black Sheep Bakery. And uh, Gwen here with us wears a lot of hats around these parts. Gwen, would you care to tell us a little bit about what all you do around this place? Uh, I'm kind of the chief cook and bottle washer, for one thing. Um, I had a little more know-how in the kitchen than uh, a lot of other people did. And so I just kind of took on the role of ramrod with the Black Sheep Bakery, sort of. <laughs> and um, have kind of... Uh, been teaching some things and learning some things ever since we opened about three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. So the community center is actually in the old Hempel grade school building. And it's uh, went through a lot of things over the years. And uh, the we've got Roy here that's a board member of the community center. I'm glad to be here. Would you tell us a little about the history of this place? So yeah. Okay, man, this building here... Uh, the old school, Hempel Grade School, was built at the tail end of World War II in 1945. It's probably built, the war ended in the fall of 45, so somewhere in that area. We could ask the, our local historian, Lawton, he would know exactly when, oh, what yeah. day of the week it probably started. And maybe Gwen's mom would know, and that's mm-hmm. someone I'm looking forward to and you to interview is Gwen's mom, who is knows everything about this community and as She's been the the driving wheel of uh, community work here in this 
thing. And luckily, Gwen inherited the genes from her mom <laughs> as being a community organizer. And uh, we're blessed to have Mabel and people like Lawton in the community that we can refer back to and give us inspiration to carry on. So looking forward to talking to Mabel and Lawton and the old postmaster at Mac Roberts. I met him the other day. He was quite an interesting fellow. He knows a lot about Mac Roberts and other cold camps. So I'm excited about this podcast for the music and the history and just getting a word about uh, the good work that that we do here. And I don't say that with uh, pride. I mean, exuberant pride, but I say it with a little bit of pride because, you know, we've done good work. Justified pride. Justified. Yeah. Like I felt. That Halloween just about uh, made me cry. Oh, tell tell us a little bit about what went I, on. I'll Halloween let Gwen tell people. that too. But it was Gwen and these ladies and the gentlemen here had just made three hundred cookies uh, and gave them away. And I'll let Gwen tell a bit of, about that because we've done it twice, haven't we, Gwen? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a drive through uh, Halloween because of COVID, and so it worked out really good. And it was just overwhelming to see parents dressed up with their kids. Because when I was a young man, you didn't see no parents <laughs> dressed up with their kids. Well, you didn't really, you know, you know how it was around here. And nobody had a costume when I was a kid. Everybody made their own daggone thing, didn't they, Gwen? Yeah, and they just turned us loose with a pillar case. Yeah. And we run up and down the camp, you know, and said trick or treat. And people put. Smell my feet. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> people put <laughs> stuff in our uh, bags. and uh, But the night before, you know, we'd throw corn on corn the porch. Corn yes. night. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the events that we've been able to do here in the last couple of years. I don't mean to steal Mandy's thunder. Well, uh, we got, uh, uh, you know, with the pandemic, we've had to change everything. So we had things that we had traditionally always done, like the breakfast with the Easter Bunny and the breakfast with Santa. And we just had to change all that and kind of have a drive through thing or have something outside where the kids could still come and see the Easter Bunny, still come and see Santa Claus, but um, kind of have some social distancing and keep it safe for everybody concerned. So we've still baked the cookies for Halloween the last two years. And uh, before the pandemic, we handed out like 500 and it cut us way down last year. We only had like 70, but this year um, we gave out about 300. And I think people had had costumes put back that they probably bought <laughs> last year. And it was such a lockdown that they couldn't wear them. And so they turned out and they were spectacular. So we, you know, we did that. And, um, you know, we've just tried to carry on as many traditions as we could as safely as possible. Yeah, like Roy was saying, I, I handed out a little bit of candy that night, too. You you really could the, the the sense of community was thick that night. I mean, you could really feel it, and Great it was vibe. yeah, killer vibe, good time. Uh, this this site here where the school's at, everybody in the neighborhood and, and well extended community has over the years different things going on here, and but in a lot of ways we're uh, we're keeping up with uh, some new developments and stuff like. We alluded to a moment ago with the roof, uh, some improvements that's been done. Well, both of you guys let us know a little bit about that. Uh, I'll let Gwen give the basic, uh, how it all came about, because I, yeah. I, I was on the periphery of that. Gwen was uh, knee deep in the solar cells on that. Thing, so <laughs> yeah. Tell us more about how it came to be. 
It's amazing. I'll make one final comment about that. From the heart of coal company that powered the industrial revolution and the two world wars, we got solar power here in the coal camp. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty cool how it all came about. So we, um, you know, have always had these electric bills with this old building. It was built to have a furnace that had a radiator system. And so it's big and it's drafty and was just built more like a bomb shelter than anything that would be energy efficient. And so the electric bills were sometimes um, better than $2,000 in the wintertime. And so it was just crippling to our finances, everything we could rake and scrape and everything we could take out of our pockets and put in was going to to the power company. And so I was like, there have to be something better than this, boys, because we're just working for the power company. So um, uh, Hempel Community Center is a member of the Lecture County Culture Hub. So we was at a meeting one night, and we were talking about county issues, and we've got four community centers in the county. And so we all had these issues with these tremendous electric bills. And we were kind of kicking that around, talking about it, you know. And there were some private businesses there with the same issues. And we started talking. And uh, I just said, I think I think we need to look into solar power. First, we kind of looked into a electrical co-op. We went all kinds of routes <laughs> with that. So then we fell on this idea of getting this solar power. And we had to borrow the money to put the solar power on top of the building, but we sure didn't want to make the coal miners mad <laughs> because the coal miners had always been the benevolent ones who looked to and seen to what we needed when we didn't have, you know. They'd say, well, we heard you always wanting so-and-so, and we want to put in together and help buy that. And so we didn't want to make them mad. So I went to the local watering hole and uh, said, boys, what would y'all think about us getting solar panels on top of the building? And the conversation kind of went like this. Um, well, honey, the gravy train's pulled out. And if we're going to survive, we're going to have to do something different. And if y'all can get them things on top of that building, I think you ought to get them on top of there. If I can get them on my house, I'm going to. Well. And so that was kind of how that went. And so we started pursuing it. And Mountain Association helped us with a loan that we pay on every month uh, with that. And um, so we can pay the loan and still come out with a big savings to what we used to pay. So that's kind of how that happened. I mean, we got the Letcher County Coal Miners Monument on these grounds. So, you know, and we are situated in a coal camp, and that is kind of unheard of that they be solar panels on this place. Kind of breaking some new ground. Yeah, it was just out of desperation and knowing that we have to start trying to do some things different. You know, we... We would like for things to, you know, continue on um, the way they've always been. Just there's this no nostalgia and this sort of social haunting that's going on with us uh, concerning coal and everything. But, you know, we got to look to the future and do some things different. And we can no longer be a mono economy. We're going to have to do a bunch of things.
That's my opinion. Yeah, some people's going to have to come up with some really innovative ideas, which is how this the solar power solar panels came about. Uh, and while you were describing all that, I was thinking, you know, that's that's just how these mountain folks do. They've always thought outside the box, and whatever resources was there, found a way to utilize them to make it work. Like I hear you say all the time, it has to work because we ain't got no choice but for it to work. And that's that's one of them Appalachian traits, I believe, that's real prominent. Yeah, failure people. is not an option. Not an option. <laughs> uh, you also mentioned in there the monument. I was going to touch on that. Um, how long has that? <clears throat> excuse me. How long has that been out there? Do you remember? Oh, it's probably been out there a good fifteen to twenty years. It's been there a long time. And pre-COVID, we had some coal miners memorial bluegrass festivals out there with big crowds and some rug cutting that went on yeah and uh, all the time you see people without a state tags parked out there coming every miner from letcher county or killed in letcher county well it all the fallen are on those standing stones but yep. the pavers are people who have worked in the coal industry and some are yep. still living but most are deceased yeah yeah, yeah. and that we get a I'm out there a lot, and I always tell them to come in and see Gwen because we're always excited to see folks. Yeah. And we want to know who their ancestor was. And it's amazing. The last person out there was some family from South Carolina who their dad had died in a mining accident in the 50s. Oh, wow. You know, and they, as he died, they just packed up and left like a lot of folks do. Probably didn't have a choice. Right. Right. No more options. Right. And there's usually tears. Oh, yes. yeah. And the bakery, through the work that Gwen has done with the bakery, that's the only way we have to maintain that. We have no funds. Right. So we're the only ones that are have any money to even fix, you know, work on it and keep it clean, keep the uh, grass cut around, you know, on it and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, we get a lot of visitors with that. It's a, it's a, it's a great little piece. Yeah, nice, nice for the community to have. I mean, I've spent a lot of time out there just wandering around and reading all them names that, yeah. Every one of them names is somebody's. And a lot of those guys from Scotia, my brother knew them. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You look at those names and you just, re I remember the day, I'm sure everybody here, Manny might be a little young, yeah. but me and Gwen, I know exactly where I was that day. I was at my mom's house. That's kind of like, so it's like a local flashbulb memory for yeah. everybody. Yeah, then. it is. Yeah, like it was one one kind of yeah, deal for yeah, us like here in the or Kennedy assassination. It was more personal, mm -hmm. you know. It yeah. Was, uh, oh, yeah. People we knew. Yeah. And there was no phone. You know, they had like one phone into the coal mine. So everybody and their brother was calling. And that just created havoc and panic because you couldn't get through. And there was a neighbor here that was killed in that explosion. Uh, Robert Griffith. Yep. Yes. Lived up yep. here in the camp. And it, we... Uh, yeah, it's pretty emotional. Yeah, I grew yeah. up with with his kids. We're still pretty, you know, I'm pretty tight with some of them, and yeah. it, they were so young. It's My brother just, was there, but he was in a different section. Well, that's what I was going to say. This was before my time, but my dad is a retired federal <laughs> inspector yeah. who was supposed to have been inside when it happened, but had switched schedules. So he kind of cheated death. I always told him. I hoped I'd inherited that. That's cool. Trait. That's cool, because so many didn't. Yeah. I've got a little, my only brothers out there on that, on the standing stones. 
as one of the fallen. He was killed in the mines when he was 27. And mom has three brothers that were killed in mining accidents. Okay, let me clarify this just for conversational purposes. Is that is Saul and Bill two Saul of those? and Bill were killed at with same, one rock. At the same mm-hmm. accident with the same rock. Yeah, at the and exact then Palace or Patty mm-hmm. we called him. Palace Clemen was electrocuted in the mines. And uh you know, I've always been told that his uh, work boots was wired on his feet where his wow. boots was falling apart and he was electrocuted. Wow. So it just speaks to the poverty of the ones trying to do that work in the mines. Yeah, that I keep going back to those character traits, and I don't want to say beat down. I don't want to use that, but I can't come. I mean, you fight back through it, but it's, beat on. life is constantly, seems like, no matter what's going on and what time period it is around here, it, the people have been trying to fight back to just to survive. Oppression. And you oppress. It's oppression. If I could get Gwen to quote Miss Hall from over in uh, Mud Creek. Oh, uh, Eula Hall. A local icon. <laughs> she said, to live here, you have to fight. Like hell. That's beautiful. Like That's hell. good. And it's true. And you it's know, true. one of my uh, heroes is Mother Jones. Absolutely. And uh, yes, she said, pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. Yes, ma'am. That's right. And you know, the women at. Uh, Brookside were the driving force. So, I mean, the men did well, but the women were the one that backed up the men and, and, you know, sort of get down there and let's get this stuff done. So we got strong female figures here in the mountains. And Florence Reese, right? In, right. Which side yeah. are you on? Yeah. When uh, a lot of the comic book movies, this, all superheroes have their origin story. Right. So what's Black Sheep's origin story? Can we get that? Yeah, you can get that. Um, we got Roy showing his muscles over here on the side. <laughs> Too bad this is no Popeye. audio only. <laughs> so the origin story of the bakery is that we've had this opioid crisis mm. around here. And we've had a brain drain into the jails. Mm. And people have said in jail for years. Um, and one of the people that got locked up that I knew was a brilliant mind was my nephew. Um, And, you know, you can talk about nepotism and you can talk about all these things, but everybody's got a concern is how they get into some kind of a uh, community service or uh, a community vision or, you know, most things are started because somebody's concerned about an issue. And so I had this nephew that was about to get out of jail, and he um, had, like most people around here and myself at times, had kind of made a mess in the community and got locked up. Nothing Uh, unusual. No. If We all have made our mistakes, but so many people have been affected by the opioid crisis. Yeah. And... It's, it's just yeah. a common story yeah. around here. It's every family has multiple people that's been greatly affected by it. So I knew that more than likely he was going to have a hard time getting a job when he got out. And I knew of some others that were about to get out. And they had been letting people who had legal problems do community service here for years. 
and one of them was one of our employees that was dearly loved here who passed away yeah uh you know about a year ago but was uh you know an integral part of everything that ever happened here and had been working here and doing community service about six years before we opened the bakery and then joined our staff at the bakery when we opened up. So there were a lot of concerns um, around taking care of those folks, letting those folks make an honest dollar, um, and trying to sustain this place with the coal business taking a nosedive the way it did. And we lost co-severance tax money and parks and rec money, which was co-severance tax money. <laughs> Label for Parks and Rec. And so um, there was just, we had a dark night of the soul. And so out of that dark night of the soul and trying to figure out all these things, we came up with a, uh, a scheme because what's cheaper than flare and salt <laughs> and water? And so that's that's kind of how it happened. And how... Um, how it got its name was I had taken a trip up to Leverett, Massachusetts on a um, collaboration that was formed after the 2016 election where some uh, liberal folks up there were trying to figure out why the folks down here have voted for Donald Trump. And so I, I said, well, I can, I can help them understand that. And so I climbed on a van with about eleven, uh, about ten other people, there's eleven of us, and uh, went to Leverett, Massachusetts, to discuss those things. So um, while I was up there, um, we ate some food from this place called Black Sheep Deli that's in Amherst, Massachusetts. And so we, I come back, and we were trying to figure out what to name this thing, and we were all, you know, working around in here, and you know, just. Uh, kind of kicking things around while we was working. And somebody said, I've always been the black sheep in my family. It was <laughs> like a sidebar conversation. And then somebody else said, well, I have too. Well, I had certainly been, <laughs> you know. And so I said, well, and it kind of went around the room and everybody said that. And I said, some food from a place up in Amherst, Massachusetts, and I think if we get a hold of them and ask them if it's all right with them, they'll be open to us using that name all the way down here, and they were, and they sent us teacups and uh, t-shirts and stuff, and were pretty joyful and offered for some of our folks to come and apprentice at their place, but... um, you know, with the Letcher County Drug Court, which was uh, the people that was doing community service here and then eventually became employees here, they're not allowed out of the county without permission. And so that never did work out for them to go, but the offer was made and it was a generous offer. And uh, so that's just kind of, we set up shop. A man, we first, we were the Hempel Catering Company. Then we decided on that name, Black Sheep Bakery, and some funders came talking about what kind of partner was Apple Shop to Hempel Community Center. And uh, so while they were here, they asked, do we have a wish list? 
And I said, of course we do. And they asked what was at the top of it. And I said, a brick oven. Never dreaming that they would find it. But they did. Santa Claus is real. Yeah. <laughs> it was a miracle. Wow. And so he lives we, in Whitesburg. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a... Um, we got a brick oven, so uh, we have been making brick oven pizza and good soup and salad and pastries and breads and in it pies and cakes and anything you can imagine. And all they, this is from scratch. It's all from scratch. That's the best part about there it. Ain't no skimping around here, cause I'm here to tell you, uh, I ain't gonna have no skimping in this place. It's all the best for you. <laughs> that sounds like a commercial right there. That is. <laughs> uh, so the bakery, it's become a part of the community, and we got community members. You know, it's uh, repeat customers all the time, and it, um, the way I see it, it kind of the bakery helps the community, and the community helps the bakery. Would that be fair to say? That's fair. And then I think just because we've known each other so long that I can get away with saying you help out the bakery and maybe the bakery helps you out too. Oh, for real, for real. I don't know what I do without this place. You know, they talk about what I do around here, but this is, this is home. It's a way of giving back to the community. Uh, I ain't no saint and don't claim to be and never will be. And I make a lot of mistakes in this place. But it means a lot to me, you know. And so uh, if the bakery if the bakery goes down, then I'll be losing a big part of my social life. Because you would not yep. believe how beneficial it is to be a part of people's celebrations. Oh, yeah. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, to be a part of somebody's birthday <clears throat> or to be a part of somebody's family reunion or their holiday dinner, or whatever, and you get to um, be a part of that. See, it makes me cry. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. It's No, you're fine. You're, I mean, that's just, there's a lot of soul in this place. You put your heart and soul into it, and you get it back, too. Yep. And, you know, the amazing thing is we survived through COVID. When a lot of places haven't. And didn't go under. Yeah. I mean, we got close to water level. <laughs> but we didn't go under and Gwen's indomitable spirit you know we're not going to stop failure's not an option you know? no we can't quit and just in the last two years with COVID even I can see this community center slowly opening back up mm -hmm. everybody comes from away from that place far away from here they always come in here and visit yeah and talk about how they don't like this place, but they love where they are, but they break their neck getting back here. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty hilarious right there. And if they come on a Saturday night, then they got a special treat going on because we've got live music going on every Saturday night. And we've got uh, all different types of music, right? Speak yep. to that, would you, Gwen? Well, uh, we've got a couple of groups. we got one that's like a southern rock group. <laughs> And they play like the first Saturday night of the month. Then on the third Friday night, we got Boyd and William, who are real bluegrass uh, leaning guys. They play yeah. a little bit of country, too. And they're very accomplished. Oh, they, yeah, oh, yeah, they are. They're wonderful. I mean, they're great and, guitar players. Um, and then, you know, sometimes there's 
five Saturday nights and there's always four. So those other two Friday, uh, Saturday nights, we, we just, uh, fill in with like new talent and a lot of great musicians have gotten a start here. There's some great pickers around the area mm -hmm. that played their first, first time for the public in this place mm -hmm. and i think that's some big bragging rights for mm -hmm. us absolutely right oh, yeah. there that that they feel comfortable to get behind a microphone here and to know mm -hmm. that the crowd is receptive to somebody new and there was a guy who played here um tony sloan played here saturday night from over in knock county oh man he was great he was awesome he was great doing lots of original material and uh we just hung on every word he sung it was great and every note he played and so uh you know it's kind of like almost like something magical that happens uh when people get uh hooked on applause <laughs> and and they'll and they'll just you know they'll work really hard to get that applause and it's it's really wonderful mm -hmm. to be in that audience. That one the part about these younger kids that have come in here that are very young and they're very good at what they do. They're learning and they're progressing. But I think that's the beautiful thing about the Saturday night here is what we just talked about was we're letting people be be themselves and. And give them a, a platform for that, which around here, it's for, there's not a whole lot of platforms for musicians or artists of any kind. Well, we were talking so about really that great. this weekend with COVID, you know, the last couple of years. I don't know if anything's live music happening in the county right now. There may be, and I'm just not, I'm missing out on it, but I don't know if they are. But you, uh, that's a good segue into um, the community center being a hate-free zone. That's one of my favorite things about this place, and there's signs all over the building, and people who walk in know that it doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, who they love, or what they look like, they're going to be welcomed here just like anybody else and made part of the family. And I think the black sheep name helps people feel comfortable here. I think some so. Of them, I think so. Uh, of, who are like-minded or who have similar past, because I have a, a past. Uh yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, you know, I've been around, but the music part here, letting those kids play, is just fantastic. That's it is. that's uh, that's just it great. Is. So the hate, you know, just to speak to the hate free zone, I mean, that's you know, in Appalachia, that's not without a fight. That's been a fight too, but um, I always say. Once you stretch their minds beyond where it's been, it can't go back to the regular shape. And people that had a real hard time with their rainbow signs <laughs> at first are walking by them now and not really paying much attention. And so I just think we got to keep on stretching them. So absolutely, you know, and you, you just gotta you just gotta stand your ground with that. Well, that reminds me of uh, our friend told me one night that he's lived all over the country and in his opinion right here is the most open-minded and accepting place in the world and when he first told me that I was taken aback because I thought here but then I kind of I pushed him on a little bit and he kind of explained it and he said well yeah I mean they might balk at first but if you just have a conversation with the people 
It doesn't matter who you are. You're friends by the end of it. And you're invited to their house for Sunday supper before it's over with. Yeah. I think he may be right about that. He is right about that. Because he came here from uh, Connecticut, you know, into a place that, I mean, he tells the story about getting here and seeing somebody with coal mine in our future sign. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, this is a different kind of place. Different from where he came from, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know we've got a few big things that's coming up around the community center in the near future. Uh, one being our uh, music thing coming up. I'm blanking on the name of it that we decided on. Um, the Haunted Holler Slam. The Haunted Holler Slam. And that's going to be the week after Christmas. And we're, uh, t- just tell us, tell us about that. We take that. Okay, we, uh, we have a school in the county every summer, except for the past two that taught traditional music and skills like that. Uh, Gwen and I and Mandy here have decided that we want to offer offer bluegrass instruction basically just be instruction but it'll be with the bluegrass tent with about all the musicians being bluegrass oriented musicians and all of our teachers uh unlike some other places will be local you know because we want to give once again we want to recycle that money back in the county we don't want to you know it's good to hire instructors from far away but Gwen and all of us, we believe, hiring the local folk like we always do. Yeah. So we're really excited. Like Gwen says, it's going to be from about 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Uh, we may wrap up earlier Friday than 6. We don't know yet but because it's New Year's Eve. We have really uh, a great value for the price. And we, we'll talk about the price later maybe or whatever. But it's a very uh, reachable, it's very a very reasonable price compared to other schools and other instruction. Most time when people uh, instruct in music, it's twenty five to fifty dollars for a half hour. Yeah. yeah. So we're given three about fifteen hours of instruction for probably pennies on the dollar. So we're real excited, and we're trying to find uh, a certain person to be named later who we know who we want. TBD. Uh, for having a pretty good little concert, maybe Saturday to wrap up and you know just kind of wrap everything up and. Uh, Information with that will be on the website and be on this podcast, too, and you can contact Gwen or anybody here at the center, and we're still working on it, but we're real excited about it, aren't we, Gwen? And that website is hemphillcenter.com? Dot, yeah, dot com. Hemphillcenter.com. And so there's going to be a Google form um, that will be uh, uh, placed on that website, uh, and... Um, We'll have a link to it where you can just click on it and go to the Google form and fill out some personal information. We want kids to come, um, and the ages will start at 8, and then adults are welcome too. And we're going to have T-shirts, and we're going to feed them a little bit while they're here. And uh, there'll be instruction in um, the instruments. Tell them about that really quick. Uh, all the basic levels, beginning, intermediate, and advanced, on guitar, mandolin, uh, banjo, fiddle, guitar. And I'm, I know the dulcimer's not a bluegrass instrument, but it is a state instrument of Kentucky. So I've been trying to legislate with Gwen to uh, maybe do a little dulcimer class because I think we would have pretty good interest in something like oh, that. Yeah. But basically, it's it's teaching 
with a bluegrass slant. You know, uh, that's going to be our emphasis. And the reason we called it the Haunted Holler Slam is because we've got um, all these um, legends locally about Hanks and uh, and so Hanks and Boogers. Yeah, Hanks and Boogers, and we're trying to. Um, you know, we're going to focus on some bluegrass songs that talk about ghosts, uh, like Bringing Mary Home is one that always mm-hmm. chilled me to death when I was a kid. <laughs> Anytime I got where there's bluegrass music being picked, I wanted to hear Bringing Mary Home. <laughs> and then I'd be scared and cover up my head at night. <laughs> um, but there's something delicious about those ghost songs. Um, and we wanted to have some ghost storytelling, too. So that's just a little added bonus. And somebody said, you're going to do that, and it's not Halloween. And I said, around here, it's not just a Halloween thing. No, no, that's a big part. That's another big part of the culture. Yeah. You mentioned a while ago the the haunted, what was it? Haunted culture? Haunted. Uh, Social haunting. Social haunting. Yeah, yeah, That's and it's true. Yeah. From that whole fight we talked about. So the kind of jumping off that, that... the school will help keep that music and those songs and those stories alive for future generations Absolutely. and keep that going, which is kind of in a little bit scaled back version what we're trying to do here and keep these stories and traits. And I, like the other day, I mean, I was talking with my mom about a kind of locally infamous incident that's going to be an episode in the near future. And we've got a through the family, kind of a personal connection to it. And I wondered if, other than me and her, anybody else in our family even knows about it because the people that told us have passed away. And I don't know. I, and if, if if these stories aren't recorded for posterity and history, I couldn't live with the fact that in a few decades they may be lost to history. Yep. So we want to want to get them recorded so people can see Real Appalachian people telling real Appalachian stories. You know, in this climate of revisionist history, it's good to get the real facts out there as people remember them and knew them and the things that happened to them that they absolutely know to be true and a fact without being rewrote later as some kind of fake history. Get it from the horse's mouth. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that needs to be mentioned? Well, one final thought or, or comment. With the Bluegrass School, we're really excited about it. But also next January, uh, through a, another program, we're, I am probably going to be giving lessons here uh, in guitar. For anybody. For any, well, for eight-year-olds and up. Oh, <laughs> eight-year-olds, eight, that's... <laughs> For eight-year-olds. Yeah. Will okay. you explain to him why, Roy? I will. Uh, I love children. I was a child one time. <laughs> yeah. As really, we all were. I was were. little, too. I was really little. Uh, <laughs> when To play a guitar, your hands have to be a certain size, and your fingers, and you have to have a little bit of dexterity. You don't have to be, you know, uh, contortionist. But you got to be big enough to hold the guitar and wrap your hands around the neck. And a lot of little kids, unfortunately, a lot of people want to buy a little kid, a big old D45 or a big, well, not <laughs> really, but a big D-style guitar, and they're just too big. So it's uh, it's just hard for them to, to, to 
physically hold the instrument. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. That's all it is. So starting in January, they can show up at the community center and get some information, probably off the website, too. Again. We're hoping yeah, we'll by our bluegrass it. thing that these details will be ironed out and we can recruit students locally that live in our community for January through, I don't know how long it will go. It probably go till spring. I probably May. A school year, I'll I say, guess. Yeah. So you can check the website, and yeah. we'll definitely be talking more about it here in the future, too, then, when we get that ironed out. Something to look forward to. So we've got a lot coming up here. It's exciting. Yeah, so just just hold in your mind there, you know, if you got a kid or an adult that is asking for an instrument for Christmas, uh, coming to this camp that we're going to have starting the day after Christmas would be the perfect tacked on uh, little uh, Christmas gift that's a lot of bang for the buck. Oh, I'm yes. just going to tell you. It's a lot of bang for the buck. And instead of just banging around the house, not catching a chord and making a lot of noise after Christmas, they can be playing songs. That's right. That's cool. Most of the kids in the camps that I've been involved with, by Wednesday or Thursday, they can even a beginner can struggle through uh, shortening bread or some tune like that. You know, so That's hard to put a price can, on. You can play a song within three or four days if, at the rate that we're going to go at it. so. Okay. Well, guys, I appreciate you all being here. Thanks so much. My and pleasure. Look forward to the next time. So one more time, to sign up or find more information on the Haunted Holler Slam Mountain Music School, visit the center's website at hemphillcenter.org. That's H-E-M-P-H-I-L-L-Center.org. To get your hands on some of Black Sheep Bakery's delicious baked goods and brick oven fire pizza, check out their menu on their Facebook page. They're open Thursday and Friday, 3.30 to 8, and Saturday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. You can stop by the Coal Miners Memorial Monument outside the community center anytime. It's located at 2514 Highway 317, Jackhorn, Kentucky. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. We're going to be covering topics like Appalachian funeral customs, folk remedies, some spooky stories, and glimpses of life in the coal camps through the years. We're also collecting oral histories through another project, and we'll be including excerpts from those as well. We'll see y'all next time on the Coal Camp Cast. All this is made possible through a generous grant from Hatchersville.